It's been a little bit since we've heard anything on the Pac-12 media rights negotiations. Should we expect any news soon? Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchups in the Pac-12 Bowl slate with Washington State taking on Fresno State in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl and Oregon State taking on Las Vegas or taking on Florida in the Las Vegas. Las Vegas Bowl right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. So, a lot of different ways that these Pac-12 media rights negotiations could go. But we haven't heard any news lately. And George Klyovkov, not long ago, said that there's, quote, no rush to complete the deal. I happen to agree with that sentiment. Now, I'm sure there are some people out there watching or listening to this and saying, well, you got to get it done. You got to do it. Think about officiating. Would you rather they be quick or would you rather they be right? I would rather they be right. If it takes a little extra time to get it right, is it my favorite thing in the world? Maybe not. I'd rather you just get it right in the moment. But if you get it right eventually, that's what I'm shooting for here. And I think that's his mindset in the Pac-12 media rights negotiations. I think that's what he should be thinking. The expectation, given the little uh, rumblings, shall we say, on the grapevine or whatnot, or kind of tidbits here or there, is that an announcement should come sometime in early 2023. One thing they are waiting on, and this is not me reporting this, I'm an opinion host, not a reporter, this is according to John Wilner, is they are waiting on the final resolution on the UCLA move to the Big Ten, because there is still a an ongoing conversation with the UC Board of Regents as to whether or not they would disallow them or have the power to. The feeling is overwhelmingly no, but it is not a 100% done, locked-in deal that they can't do that. So that's something that they're going to be, they're going to wait on. Because of course, when discussing payouts and the value of the conference and how much money you can get to give to each of your member schools, whether or not you have UCLA in the fold would impact it greatly. Like that would be a huge move. It would be a great thing for, for Commissioner Klyovkov. It would be a good thing overall for the conference. It's very unlikely to happen, though, because even if UCLA were forced to stay or in some weird alternate reality, not this one, they decided, ah, no, we don't want to go to the Big Ten where there's a lot more money available. Uh, That's the thing that's going to keep drawing them there, because even a pack-filled UCLA or a UCLA-filled Pac-12 is not going to be able to get the sort of money. It might get a little more than it is otherwise going to, but it's still not going to come close to the Big Ten. Big Ten is just on another level with this stuff. They are going to be giving out ridiculous payments, and the PAC knows that they're not going to be able to match that. 
And that decision, by the way, should be coming this week. The meetings have been taking place and there's expected to be final resolvement on that matter this week. And the overwhelming expectation, and it's my feeling as well, is UCLA will not be forced to stay by the UC Board of Regents. They will abandon their long-term partner, a long-time partnership with UC Berkeley, also known as Cal, and they'll go with USC over to the Big Ten ahead of the 2024 season. Now, Here's a question that I that I thought of. I, I've seen a couple pieces speculating about this, but the question that, that Klyovkov is kind of battling with right now, because they haven't announced any expansion teams. San Diego State seems like an obvious option. Who knows where else they will go, right? They'll probably have to wait on the UCLA front to be final before they could go that way. But does expansion attract a media deal or does a media deal attract expansion i saw it posed in in a piece i was reading about the the latest news on on this sort of stuff my initial instinct would be that teams influence the media deal more than the media deal can influence teams because if you're looking to expand to mountain west teams or american conference teams or i don't know anywhere else basically even though the PAC is not going to be getting as money as the Big Ten or the SEC or probably the Big 12, I think they could maybe be comparable to the Big 12. You've got some big brands still left in the pack with Oregon and Washington and Utah. Stanford maybe in there as well, definitely in there as well, because they get viewership with the Notre Dame games. And, you know, we'll see what Troy Taylor is able to do now that he's been hired as their head coach. That's at least comparable to what you have at the top of the Big 12. You could even argue it's a stronger from a branding perspective than, you know, TCU, Oklahoma State, Baylor. Mm, yeah, that's kind of it. Then there's kind of a dropout. Yeah, you're adding Cincinnati and BYU and UCF and Houston. But, you know, is that a lot more valuable than, than what the Pac-12 has? Maybe. Like, we're, we're going to find out. We're, we're definitely going to find out. But at the very least, I feel like that's a, a comparable situation. But as George K, as we'll call him, goes into these these negotiations, where should his priority be? We've discussed plenty here on the show about the possibility of having a streaming partner, which still seems very possible, you know, Amazon or Apple TV or somewhat of both. But I think the money needs to be the priority over the platform because if you go into it saying, well, we want to make a splash, we want to stand out, we want to do this, or we, we want to have these elements of it. If you're George K, your number one priority and job is to keep the league together, to keep it from completely disbanding with more schools leaving for the Big 12 or the Big 10 or wherever else they could potentially find a home. And I don't think you can be overly preoccupied not that what you or with whom this arrangement is done doesn't matter, but you have to go with wherever you can get the most money. I don't think you can go into this if you're George K saying, well, you know, I, I really want to have Amazon as a part of it. Well, if they're not going to pay as much as like ESPN or some other broadcast partner would, then I think you'd have to abandon ship on that, right? And you can't get dead set on, well, it's got to be ESPN or it's got to be Apple or it's got to be Amazon or it's got to be these two of, of those three options, which seem like the most likely partners at this point in time. You have to prioritize the money because if you can't get enough money out of this deal to give to each of your schools, then you're going to have a lot more teams 
eager to jump ship because they're going to say, well, if the money is this much less than what we could get in this conference over here, then we're going to heavily explore that option. And, and I'm sure that several schools already have, and I don't doubt that they will continue to do that. But th there's something else that I think George K has got to be has got to be prioritizing here, and it is not getting a great gift this holiday season with Omaha Steaks. Though that would be a great priority for him or any of you as well. This is actually insane. Omaha Steaks has cut prices 50% site-wide to make you the gift-giving hero that you always wanted to be. The holidays are here. Achieving gifting greatness is possible when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable, tender, juicy, delicious bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Take advantage of 50% off site-wide, plus use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $40 off your order. Locked on at checkout at Omaha Steaks to get that extra $40 off your order. Minimum order may be required. So the other thing that George K, I think, needs to be looking at in figuring out what this media rights deal is going to look like it is not just who you're with and how much money you can get, but also to make it as appealing as possible to the schools that are still a part of the conference and at this point in time appear committed to doing that in the long term. I think you have to negotiate a deal that gets you more exposure whether that's more early window games on ESPN or being heavily involved with a streaming partner like Amazon to where you'd be their only college sports content, you've got to be able to put your teams in more viewable windows. And I am not saying, I am not saying at all whatsoever, in fact, I'm saying the opposite, that they should abandon Pac-12 after dark. You should keep that because it is a bargaining chip that the Pac-12 can provide that no one else except for the Mountain West can actually offer a network and their deal is with CBS Sports. So that's not a real threat. Like the Pac-12 is unique in that sense. There's a disadvantage to Pac-12 After Dark, but there is an advantage to it as well. Networks want to put football on their television stations because we are Americans and you know what we love to watch? Football, baby. And in the fall, on Saturday, there is only one thing that we, as a country, are going to watch in big numbers, and that's football, college football specifically. So I don't think you get rid of those matchups, but I think what you do have to do, if you're George K here, is figure out an arrangement that allows for more early window games, whether that's on ESPN or whether that's on Amazon. You need to be more viewable. You need to be more attractive to fans outside of the West Coast. Because the early window games that the Pac-12 had this year were often on the Pac-12 network, the earliest games. And that's what you need to be able to change. And the other thing too, as you look at the biggest teams in the conference or the biggest brands in the conference, right? Utah is in that discussion. Now, Oregon is there. Washington is there. Stanford, if they can get good again, I think are right there. You've got to put them in prime time as often as you can. But for everybody else in the conference too, there's just got to be a more accessible amount of time 
where people outside of the West Coast geographical footprint, the Pacific and Mountain time zones, can easily watch the games. And you just can't have your biggest brands, particularly when USC and UCLA are leaving. Though UCLA hasn't been your biggest football brand at any point in time, USC certainly has. But you're looking to probably Oregon or Washington, maybe Utah, to carry the water on that front. From a viewership number perspective, it's probably Oregon or Washington. But you have to be able to put them in prime time as often as possible. You have to be able to have game. There were, this, this is a great example of what I'm talking about from this season. Oregon State played that game against USC. I talked about it going in. I talked about it afterwards. I will say it from now until the end of time. It is a travesty that that game was on Pac-12 Network. It is an absolute travesty. Later in the year, Oregon State, as they had won more games, ended up playing Arizona State. Not a bit, neither of those programs are big TV revenue drivers from a viewership perspective. Those are just the numbers. That game was on either ESPN or ESPN2. And it was on at like 12 o'clock. It was a midday game. And I looked at that and said, wait a minute. You could still have a Pac-12 after dark game or two, and you wouldn't have to stash the other games on Pac-12 network where not as many people across the country can watch. But you can, in fact, have people playing in the earlier windows because that's what Big Ten country and SEC country are able to see more of are those games that are early afternoon kicks our time out here on the West Coast or the Mountain Time Zone, depending on where you are specifically. That's what I think needs to be adjusted here with regards to the scheduling. You don't abandon Pac-12 after dark. But if we're being honest about it and what's going to get the most eyeballs on the conference as a whole, irregardless, regardless of school, you don't want to put Oregon on Pac-12 after dark. You don't want to put Washington on Pac-12 after dark. Like Michael Penix, there's been a big, big swell of Husky fans online pretty justifiably saying, hey, why wasn't Michael Penix getting more Heisman buzz this year? He's the nation's leading passer. Washington went from 4-8 and eight to 10-2 and two in one year, and he was a big reason why. Defense took a step back. Offense took leaps and bounds of a step forward. But the buzz was never really there because Washington was often playing on Pac-12 Network or playing later in the night when other people can't see them. And that complaint from fans in the Pac-12 is not new. It's probably a big reason why Christian McCaffrey didn't win the Heisman. Because not enough people back east were watching him. You didn't have enough eyeballs there so that people could understand just how good that guy was. Same sort of thing with Penix this year. So if you're George K going into this, you have to look at Oregon, Washington, and Utah and heck, potentially from a TV perspective, Colorado. I'm dead serious. People are going to tune in to watch Prime. They might not be good, but they will be interesting. You have got to minimize the number of times that you are going to put those games or those teams later in the day. You can't stash them, right? And it's an uneven, uneven playing field. 
Not going to argue with you there. You might see more Arizona on Pac-12 after dark than Washington. And guess what? From a commissioner's perspective, you should. Because Washington is going to get more eyeball eyeballs on a team from your conference. Doesn't mean Arizona can't be good. It just means that that's what you're going for in this media rights deal. You're trying to get the most amount of money possible. How do you do that? You get eyeballs on the television. How are you going to do that? You take your biggest brands and you showcase them in windows that people are actually going to be able to watch outside of your conference's geographical footprint. Speaking of Colorado, by the way, I think it's really interesting what you're going to do with the bus if you're George K. How much of a pitch is that? How much can that be? Is it going to get you monumentally more? The answer is probably not. But when you look at specific games, like the ones I've been talking about, early window versus late window, how much more is it going to be of a priority for the Pac-12 to try and get Colorado and Deion Sanders' face on TV? Because if I'm George K, with USC and UCLA leaving, probably the best thing that could have happened is Deion Sanders coming to the Pac-12. Didn't matter what team he was coming to. And as we can see, it doesn't matter. It's been driving a lot of content on my show for the last week. It's been driving a lot of content at other shows, eyeballs, attention, discussion, interest. It's Colorado and it's the Pac-12. And that's a really, really good thing if you're George K. Like them hiring Coach Prime is a little bit of a godsend in that sense. To where Colorado is not a team you store on the Pac-12 network basically every week because nobody wants to watch them. They're so bad. Even if Colorado is bad. Right. Even let's say Coach Prime in his first three years is under 500 all three years. Guess what? He's still going to be interesting. He's still going. And I'm not saying that I'm predicting that or anything. Got to wait and see how a bunch of other factors play out. But he himself is a television draw. And you want to put him on TV, get him in front of a microphone, get him in front of a camera. I don't even care who it is. Get him on this show if you want. Put him anywhere and everywhere. I would love to get Coach Prime on. Anywhere and everywhere that you can. Because that guy is a draw for people of all ages. Older people, remember watching him play. Younger people, know him as Coach Prime with a big smile. And that's what he is. He's a magnetic personality. And I don't think that gets you, you know, millions more in your media rights negotiations. But when you get down to the details of when you're going to put certain teams on at different times of the day and how you plan all of that out, I think he's going to want to showcase Coach Prime as much as possible. And I think he should. That should be what his mindset is. Man, I love, I'm so excited for the deal just because there are so many unknowns and we don't know what the expansion is going to look like, right? The likelihood that he stays pat at 10 teams. Yeah, I, I don't see George K doing that. It's got to be at least San Diego State, probably somebody else. Maybe you go get Fresno State in the state of California. Maybe you go to Boise. Maybe you get a team from Texas, like a, a UTSA. Like there, there are a lot of different ways that, that he could go there. But just to sum up real quick, priorities got to be money over platform. Whoever's offering you the most, go there. 
If Amazon is going to offer you more on its own than ESPN and an Amazon hybrid would give you, then you go all in on Amazon. You got to get the most money to keep people around and you got to be smart about how you structure the contract with regards to when your teams play on television because you got to get more eyeballs on the conference than they've had in the last 11 years or so. Bowl season is coming up. And it's really important for the Pac-12. I'll tell you why. After, hold on, we got to pause. Can we pause? Okay, we're paused. We're officially paused. Great, because you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper. I've had all three flavors myself. I uh, Let's just say it didn't take long for me to eat them. They are delicious. They are wonderful. And if you want to get in the holiday spirit, white chocolate peppermint granola. Boom. It's built takes on the granola bar. It's more filling and still insanely tasty. High calorie or high protein, low calorie, low sugar. That's what built is all about. Go get yours today. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. That's 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Bowl season starts this weekend. We'll be looking at the games with uh, my guy Carter Baines of uh, beaverblitz.com later. Oregon State plays Florida in the Las Vegas Bowl. And Washington State plays Fresno State, the Mountain West Champs, in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. And there are five other, five other teams that are going bowling this year. Might I remind you, by the way, that Arizona is one game away from being the eighth Pac-12 team. Can't remember the last time that happened. Don't know. It's probably been a hot second. However, still a great regular season. I mean, a thrilling regular season for the Pac in more ways than one. But bowl season here is about to be crucial. And I know, I know. Spencer, it's just bowl season. Spencer, it's this. You can call me a traditionalist. You can label me whatever you'd like. I'm a sucker for bowl games. I love a good bowl game. Because I think it can tell you a lot about where your program's at. tell you a lot about culture. You can make statements. You can see the future players who are going to be high-impact players going forward. They can get a chance to shine if guys opt out. There's always a silver lining. Would I restructure it and the incentives around bowl season if I was in charge of college football? Yeah. Yeah, I would in more ways than one. But that might be a conversation for another day. It probably is. But this is such a big bowl season for the Pac-12 because they have six teams in the final college football playoff top 25 rankings. USC, Utah, Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, and UCLA. Half the league is in the top 25. And they've been getting a lot of attention this year from commentators like Joel Klatt on his podcast to ESPN talking on game day, just in general. There's been plenty of talk that, yeah, the playoff missed or the Pac-12 missed the playoff again. But man, that league looks really good. Man, they've got a lot of really good teams. And they do, as we know. But you have to be able to back it up. You have to be able to back it up in the non-conference slate. And coming into league play this year, the Pac-12 didn't have eh, the best non-conference showing specifically with Utah losing to Florida, a game they should have won, and Oregon losing to Georgia, a game they definitely should not have won, but should have been more competitive than that, and they were not. That was a really ugly start. But you've got seven opportunities. And if I'm the Pac-12, 
And seeing as how I'm the host of the show, I'll speak for the conference here. Uh, not actually doing that, but just where my head is at. Anything less than four wins would be a major letdown, and I want to see five. I want to see at least five bowl wins here, which doesn't leave a lot of margin for error. There's some tough matchups, but I, I think that when you look at what they're dealing with across the board, Pac-12 should be in good shape this bowl season. And if you want to continue to build up your league's credibility and standing as a respected football conference, you got to show up in bowl season. You got to show up, if not only to dispel the constant talking point, which is fair, by the way, might I add that the Pac-12 hasn't won a bowl game in two and a half years now. Well, two seasons. Whatever you want to call it. Might be three seasons. I don't know. I lost track. If I'm not mistaken, the last Pac-12 team to win a bowl game was Oregon in the 2020 Rose Bowl. That's not great. These games are an opportunity to showcase what your conference is capable of compared to the other leagues in the country. Not just to the other team's fan base, but to people who watch. People like me. And I think the ACC stinks this year. I think it's the worst of the Power Five. Hope the Pac-12 doesn't blow it there. Looking at you, Oregon, playing North Carolina in the Holiday Bowl. But I want that to happen really, really badly. Will the conference let me down? I don't know. We're going to find out, which is why I'm so excited. But I think when you look at the lineup and the matchups that the Pac-12 has got, I think four has got to be the minimum for success. Getting seven, not realistic. But could you get six? Maybe. It's it's not the least likely thing I've ever seen. I think Washington State is one of the most likely teams to lose because Fresno is playing some really good football right now. And if Jake Hayner plays in that game, yeah, it, it'll be a tough one for sure. Should be a great football game, though. But Oregon's a big favorite. Oregon State's a big favorite. USC is playing the American champ in Tulane. They better win that football game. Now, if Caleb Williams doesn't play, you know, maybe it kind of gets written off. But still, of all the non-conference matchups you could have if your USC is an at-large New Year's Six team, yeah, the American's probably the easiest. It's probably the easiest conference champion to go up against. Except for maybe the ACC champ because Clemson is just not very good. But Washington State's got a tough one. I think Utah-Penn State will be a really good game. They'll be without Dalton Kincaid and Clark Phillips. That's tough. That is really, I mean like really, really tough. Because those are not just great players. Those guys have been so integral to what they've done all season long. But Oregon a big favorite. Oregon State a big favorite. Washington playing, that's probably the most interesting one. Just from an outsider's perspective, Washington against Sark? Fire me up for that. Texas nearly five-point favorite. You know what Texas stinks as this year? Well, a number of things. But defense has not been great. Last I checked, Michael Penix did not opt out and go to the NFL draft. Hmm, interesting. That'd be a big win for the Pac-12. That would be a huge, huge win. But they're going to be favored in most of these bowl games. UCLA, they play Pitt. 
and Keaton Slovis just announced that he was transferring again. So they're going to have a backup quarterback. We'll see if DTR and Zach Charbonnet play. But you look at these matchups across the board, what's online for the Pac-12. There's a lot to play for, and we'll continue to dive into it as the games come in and as they start to get played and they begin this weekend with Washington State and Oregon State and the L.A. and Vegas Bulls, respectively. But the matchups are pretty darn favorable. And the league having gotten its due credit for how strong it has been all season long, backing it up in bowl season, I think would go a pretty good long ways. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.